Hello and welcome to the Body Resilient Mum podcast. I'm your host, Louise Hurley, and I am here to elevate your body image one conversation at a time. Most of us have grown up believing that a thinner, smoother, tighter body and face is better. And if we have these things, then we have succeeded and we'll live happily ever after. When we've been surrounded by this message all of our lives, in some form or other, we tend not to question it. It's just the way of the world. But have you ever stopped to wonder whether these standards that we've been holding ourselves to are even possible to achieve? And if we do try to match these standards, like losing weight or trying to remain wrinkle and dimple free, is it actually healthy? As mums, we feel under so much pressure to succeed in all areas of life, including trying not to look like we've grown and birthed a tiny human. This podcast will encourage you to challenge your long-term beliefs about what your body should look like and help you to move from a place of conflict with your body to a place of peace and acceptance. Welcome to this week's episode of the Body Resilient Mum podcast. This week, I'm joined by Chelsea Clifford, who is a fellow MumSafe trainer and a CrossFit coach. So I'm super excited to dig deeper into Chelsea's brain and find out her experience and her take on how training for performance versus aesthetics kind of fits into her world of coaching, both in CrossFit and as a MumSafe trainer as well. So Chelsea, you have got a Bachelor in Nursing, which I didn't know about. Like a former life. A certificate three and four in personal training. You're a CrossFit level two trainer, accredited with Safe Return to Exercise, and you're also a mum safe trainer. So generally just an all-round superstar fitness professional. She's also a mum of two. Chelsea, remind me, how old are your little ones? Uh four and a half and two and a half. (laughs) Crazy. Oh, they're just so little still. And I bet you're probably thinking, oh my God, they're growing up way too fast. Uh, yeah, it's like fast but slow. So sometimes I'm like, yeah, God, you seem really big today. And then other times I'm just like, oh God, we're still, we're still kind of in the trenches with sleep and, you know, all those things that you associate with that new time in mumming. Oh my gosh, yes, totally. Yeah. This chat today is just so exciting for me because we're going to be talking about performance versus aesthetics. So training for performance, training for, you know, strength, getting stronger, getting fitter over training for changing your body. So training to look a certain way. If you've done the Body Resilient Mum project or you're doing it at the moment or you follow me on social media, you'll know that I talk a lot about focusing what our body can do rather than only on what it looks like. And this is Chelsea's bag. She's all about helping women train for performance over trying to change the way that their body looks through exercise. So Chelsea, tell me more about you. Tell me more about your background. Like you know, your sporting background, um, your training background, kind of how you came or where you came from and how you got into the space that you're in now. Cool. Um, So I always played sport growing up, but mainly team sports. Um, So I played netball for a really long time, just played any sport under the sun, really. In high school, we played touch football, soccer, indoor cricket, just anything like an active kid I would say never the best at anything but really loved that kind of being a part 
of it. Um, I think did the usual teenage, well, not even teenage thing, early 20s sort of thing of, you know, going to uni, going out, a lot more social life than exercise. Um, I did have a couple of really good girlfriends where we would go to the gym and then we would go to the pub afterwards. So it like the gym life didn't really like fade away completely, but it wasn't in good balance, I would say. Um, And I was probably like a lot of girls in the early 20s, in the 2000s, that more is more. And so you would do like 40 minutes on the elliptical and then you do a pump class and then you'd blah, blah, blah. And my husband was training for Tough Mother, um, that like extreme adventure race. And he was like, I've got to get fit for that. And so he joined a local CrossFit gym and it probably took six months of him saying to me, there's more girls in the class than there are guys. I think you'd really like it. But then he would also say like, oh, but Jonesy was in the garden spewing after this session. And I'm like, what part of this do you think I would like? So like the the intent was there. He could see that maybe it was something that I would like, but it was kind of followed up with some weird anecdotes that I was like, yeah, I don't spew after exercise. (laughs) Um, But look, it's a very long story short. I ended up walking into the same gym and when I walked in, um, the wife of the owner, I knew. I knew her from when I worked in a surf shop, um, when I was little, when I was in high school, and it was just that instant recognise one another. Didn't know each other super well. Um, She made me feel very at home and I was just kind of off from there. So that is probably... 12 or 13 years ago, maybe it's a long time. It's a long time. So that's kind of, um, I wouldn't say athletic background, but that's what I've kind of grown up doing. And that's how I've fallen into this space. And where did the coaching come in? When did you decide that you wanted to coach CrossFit? Oh, yeah. So yeah, I was a nurse in a former life. Um, I went to uni straight from school. I'm young for my age. So I graduated bachelor of nursing and moved to do my new grad in Cairns in Queensland, um, all before I turned 21. Pretty wild. Um, so I was kind of deep in the throes of that career five years in at about 26 and didn't have kids wasn't married I was working in an ICU which I absolutely loved um but it was there is such a challenge in the health system that they're never replacing staff and you don't have kids you can do overtime and you can do that and um I never got rest from that because I would always just say yes um but also I saw a lot of women have kids and do permanent night shift and I was like I can't do that I, I love my sleep I need my sleep. (laughs) I don't sleep now. (laughs) But also I just looked at that and I was like, I cannot do that. Um, So then I worked for a pharmaceutical company for five years and I was a drug rep and I would, um, yeah, sell drugs to GPs. And then I moved into the hospital space and sold anesthetic agents to anesthetists, which kind of felt like home because I came from an ICU background. Um, but there was a lot of travel in that. And I also looked at women in that space and when I can't be going to Tamworth once every six weeks 
when I have a family and I don't want to either. So um, I was kind of years into crossfitting at that point in time. And I loved what the gym that we had had, but I felt like I really wanted to have a space that was just for women um, to be able to do that sort of training. So um, I did my cert three and four and some mentorship with another coach and I did my CrossFit level one and then I opened my gym. That's amazing. That's such a scary thing to do as well. Yeah, it was it was huge. And I was really particular on Cross CrossFit's such an interesting business model because you kind of license the name to say that you are CrossFit. My business was CrossFit Marquees before I um chose not to affiliate, which is an interesting topic in body resilience also. But you don't get the programming, for example. I think people think that one CrossFit gym is exactly the same as the other. And if someone's squatting on a Monday, everyone's squatting on a Monday. It's not, it's not like that at all. You get to call yourself a trademark name. The rest is over to you. So it's a, it's a licensing fee as opposed to anything else. They don't tell you what fees to charge. They don't tell you how to program. They don't tell you how to market. They don't do anything. And so I really wanted, because I found it so empowering going into an environment I'd never really lifted weights outside of a body pump class, to learn that, to have that experience of feeling strong, being strong, being in a supported environment. Um, I just really wanted to have that and to offer that to local women. Chels, that is awesome. If I'd have known you when you started your gym, I would have come train with you. Um, so today we said that we would talk about training for performance over training for aesthetics. Chels, in your professional opinion, what does training for performance versus aesthetics really mean? Yeah. So um, the first thing I want to say, and I'm so guilty of this, and I've already said it once in this podcast, maybe twice. I'm not an athlete because I don't do this. I'm not this, blah, blah, blah. If you're training, you're working at something, right? That's an that's an athlete. You don't have to be training to go to the Olympics. You don't have to be training for a competition. Um, but training for the sake of training with that intent of getting better, getting faster, getting stronger, or continuing to work at where you are um, is a performance piece. So I think that's really, really important, first of all. Um, but it's also really simple once we understand that I want to get faster. That is a performance metric. I can weigh however many kilos and that can be big, that can be little, that can be whatever. Um, and that has no necessarily impact on the metric of how fast can you go. Um, the polar opposite, in my opinion, anyway, is purely aesthetic based training. And the beautiful and very clear cut example of that is bodybuilding where their metric is how low is your body fat percentage? Because the lower your body fat percentage, the more definition, the more articulation you get in muscles. And they literally put themselves on stage. Mm -hmm. So what you are being judged on is so, like there's no better descriptor of aesthetic training than bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. That is exactly what it is. I think there's this misconception, isn't there, that bodybuilders are healthy because they've got visible abs um, they're really lean and you think that because they do a sport or they're in the gym that they must be healthy and actually when they get to that level on stage 
Um, they are far from healthy. It is wild. The lack of food, um, mm. the dehydration, and then yeah. like the water, like I've never done it. I have no care or desire to do that. Yeah, the water dehydration and then the reloading and not only what that does to your body, but you can talk to anyone who's been on stage at a amateur and or professional level and they will talk to you about the mental capacity mm-hmm. and the absolute dump that you take when you've finished being on stage and just the complete exhaustion and then that it's disordered eating essentially because they have been so restricted for so long that they then struggle to refuel such in a restrictive phase and not in a replenishing phase and then it must be so difficult to start eating normally again and going from this level of restriction to just a balanced diet like the to me it's just so up and down and yo-yoing i just want to add in here chelsea that um we're not bashing bodybuilding like if you if someone out there and listening to this loves bodybuilding that's their sport absolutely fine um we're not saying that it's wrong i guess the the beautiful thing about this podcast is that it's about education so in today's episode we're looking at both sides and we're specifically focusing on the difference between training for performance versus aesthetics i think that's the angle that we're coming from. So if you love bodybuilding, we're not saying that it's wrong. I don't have that level of discipline. I am so hyper aware of that. I tip my hat. But if I could say anything, if I had a client who said to me, I want to come and go on stage, I would probably first of all say, I'm not the coach for you. And Mm -hmm. second of all, I would say, um, you need to have some kind of emotional, psychological support around body image that goes alongside that because the peaks and the troughs of literally the way you look um can I think manifest other challenges yep yep 100% agree so being as we've just talked about how training for aesthetics can have a negative impact on your health and your psychological well-being when it comes to your relationship with your body and food Um, It just seems like a no-brainer that you'd train for performance rather than trying to train to change the way that you look. And yet, in our profession as exercise professionals, um, we come across many women who still want to exercise in order to change the way that they look with, with, you know, no regard to how it affects their health or maybe very little regard to how it affects their health in your professional opinion why why do you think that still happens where do you think that comes from um it's kind of big and deep isn't it I think probably the one thing that I would want to say is more often than not and in my experience coaching 95 percent women in my career Mm -hmm. um most women don't knock on the door of a CrossFit gym and say, hi, I'm here to performance train. They're still generally walking in for the aesthetic goal. Whether they say it or not, um, I I still firmly believe the reason why a lot of women that I've crossed paths with have walked in my door is because they want to change the way they look. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know why. And I was very conscious of having a culture of not speaking about the way that people look so much so that um, 
Like I would have clients say to me, oh yeah, I've lost 20 kilos since I started with you. And I just kind of, I don't see it. Like I'm really bad at kind of recognizing that sort of thing because I think I'm being so conscious about, yeah, but now you can do this, that I'm, I miss the weight loss side of things, which may be a good thing. It may be a bad thing, but it's, it's so difficult. And I think there's so many individual reasons why people want to change the way they look. The cool thing for me that happens is when you can start to see people caring more about the way they move than the way that they look or equally, and sometimes probably more excitingly for me was people or women who would come in covered up. They'd come in long leggings and they'd come in like a jumper or they'd always have a hoodie wrapped around their bum. Um, And it might be December and it's like, it's freaking hot. Like, why are we wearing this? And then one day they turn up in shorts. And I would I would never say anything, certainly never in front of in front of a class or anything like that. But maybe as they were leaving, I was like, the shorts look good today. And it's just like, I know that that's been a really big deal for you to walk in and do that. I'm not going to make a massive deal over it. But that change in, I kind of don't give a shit or I'm really starting to see that I can just walk in here however I want and be comfortable in my skin. That's. A really beautiful example of how we can exercise and work out and train without even thinking about what we look like, without worrying about whether we, you know, our bum looks big or our bum looks a certain way in whatever we're wearing. I love that example. I feel like there's still, we're still struggling to shift this focus on health being equal healthy being equal to thinness so I don't know about you but I feel that there's still this leaning towards you know being healthy means having to lose weight being healthy means having a small tummy or being lean or or being a certain size what do you think I don't think the needle has shifted as far as we would like it to there's there's still a long way to go around that you know because so much as so much of it is like external media and absorption of that but then I think there's another layer of surrounding yourself in an environment that is positive for you so Mm -hmm. we have spoken previously about um social media things and it's like oh what do we do with that well you bloody unfollow them like you get to curate your feed so Mm -hmm. If you're clicking yes to that, it's going to keep popping up because they're just going to keep like bamming you with it. That's the algorithm. Everyone knows that. So you need to have like a cultural cleanse or whatever it needs to be. Just put people in front of you that get you, that you like. Like I think we're probably better in person with that. Like if you walk into the gym and you're like, oh, my God, Louise, she drives me freaking nuts. Like you're not going to set up side by side day after day, are you? You're going to put yourself in a different location in the gym and you're going to say, Hi, Lou, how are you going? And you're going to keep walking past, but you're not going to be best buddies. And you can coexist in that way. And I think perhaps we need to, you know, frame up our our intake a little bit like that as well. Yep, 100% agree. It seems like such a simple thing to do, doesn't it? But it has a massive effect. Think about 
how often you can see people's content on your phone online. You know, it's always in your pocket or maybe it's the last thing you see before you go to bed. But when you see people in real life, like it doesn't happen that often. So not only can the social media message, like the social media messaging be stronger, you know, more potent, but it's also more frequent as well. So yeah, unfollow, unfollow. I want to dive deeper, Chelsea, into your background in CrossFit, your experience, both as um, an athlete and a coach. What's your take on where body image sits in CrossFit? Um, I know what mine is, but I would love to hear your experiences of, you know, how body image is affected or, you know, how CrossFit can either be good or bad or somewhere in the middle, neutral for body image. Um, like so many answers to this question, but just as like a like some anecdotes because I had my gym for seven years. Um, I was initially CrossFit affiliated and I was an all women's CrossFit facility. Now the challenge that I had and the reason that I de-affiliated and it's not like a secret, I, people ask me, I will tell them. Um, at that time, there were women who didn't know what CrossFit was. So what do you do when you don't know what CrossFit, what anything is? You whack it in Google. What is CrossFit? And if you go to the images section, you see the best of the best athletes and they look very different to regular people. So if Deb, who's 45, is like maybe I'll start at this gym and gets a picture of ripped old Tia or whoever, you know, it wasn't even Tia back in those days, it was bloody Camille or Annie or anyone, Um there's a very significant disconnect there. And, you know, cycling back to do I want to look like that? Do I want to perform like that? There was just a disconnect with what I was offering on the main street of Long Jetty and what those beautiful women in a Google search looked like and what they were doing. So from a marketing point of view, I found that really a difficult barrier to overcome. Um I could have at that point gone, I just want to have a CrossFit gym and we're just going to make it unisex. But I was a lot more engaged with supporting women through that type of training. So I chose to rename, rebrand, de-affiliate and my business became the Marquise Movement. So that's one kind of snippet around that. Um, I have been exposed to several girls go through debilitating eating disorders to the point where we had a member who ended up in hospital um, because she just dropped so much weight. Um, and even though it is a performance facility, that aesthetic goal, that mental health piece can still exist. And I think that's really, really important. You can have the most performance-based centre it's the each individual that comes into it that brings their own stuff, which might be skewed to the aesthetics. Um, and an interesting thing around that, I think, is the aesthetics was masked with performance. I'm just going to train more. I just want to get better at this. So I'm going to. Um, so that was a really challenging experience. Um, and I think there's also. Crossfitters kind of look a certain way. Um, I don't look like one of them. And so I am probably 
a little bit more feminine and a little bit more jokey and like than people who really take themselves to be serious athletes. And that doesn't mean that they're any better than me as a person or anything like that. I don't pretend to be anyone that I'm not. But I have been in gyms where I've had people say, oh, it's so weird that you do rope climbs with pearl earrings in. I've had people covered in tattoos make comment. I have a little tattoo under my arm here that I got when I was 18 because a friend of mine passed away in year 12 from brain cancer. He was sick for years. Um, that's that's my tattoo contribution to me. Um, and I've had people mock me for having something there because I don't look like someone who should be covered in tattoos. And the thing that I would say about that is that's a really toxic environment. So going back to CrossFit is CrossFit. It's not. You can walk into 20 different gyms and have 20 different experiences. So I would say to any of your ladies watching, if you are interested in some cool training that kind of doesn't get boring, that gives you some gritty stuff to get into and to aim for and be so proud of, um, do as many trials as you can because you'll know when, you, when you're in your happy place. It doesn't even have to be around six pack, no six pack, weight, height, perform like oh. earrings for God's sakes. Like that's got nothing to do with anything. <laughs> it's just a comment. And I think um, that level of toxicity can be anywhere and we just have to be confident enough to find what works for you. Is there ever um, in your experience a kind of drive in CrossFit to lose weight or to, you know, get shredded um, or, you know, like to get lean um, for better performance? <laughs> it's so difficult, I think. Um, I hate the word shredded, so that is just so, I just hate it. Um, yeah. Not everyone can look like that, first of all. And I think probably if you know nothing about CrossFit, the reason why it can be so inclusive is because there is no weight class, okay? So if we're in um, the most commonly used and easiest example is Olympic weightlifting. So when the Olympics roll around, I think it's next year, um, if you happen to stumble across that, there are weight divisions. So the girls are tested in the 58 kilo class, the 63, the 69, the whatever, and everyone has to make that weight and then you lift off. That doesn't exist in CrossFit. So as a general rule of thumb, and it's much nicer to talk about men in this situation because they're generally not as emotive about it, but the bigger guys are often the stronger guys. Mm -hmm. And the littler guys are generally a little bit better at the gymnastics body weight type stuff because they don't have as much body weight to manoeuvre. But if you're really big and really strong, but you still have to do 70 pull-ups in a workout, that's going to start to balance things out. And it's just a beautiful environment of like an actual leveler. There are so many things that you can be good at whatever it is, box jumps, burpees, rowing, blah. You don't know how and when that's going to turn up. So as a general rule, you kind of want to be well-rounded. You will have biases definitely, as in I prefer a little bit of this or not. Um the reason that I think it that is important is it kind of negates the shred. Mm -hmm. Because if the shred is purely for body weight, 
you may actually be losing some of your strength in inverted commas. And so that then is detrimental to performance at the cost of aesthetics. Oh, yes, that is so true. It's just such an all-round kind of measurement of fitness. And, yeah, you'll get the very few people who are great at everything. But generally, yeah, you've got the people who are better at gymnastics, the people who are stronger and better with the barbell and stuff. Yeah, I love that. Um, what about comments that aren't meant as being toxic? So, for example, I've been in the gym before and kind of mid, I don't know, whatever we were doing, like hanging from the bar or the rings and someone in front of the group went, oh my God, like what's your diet? Can you write me a diet plan? I want to look like that. And it completely put me on the spot. Like I thought I had the tools and I was prepared for you know, comments like this, because I teach about it and I write about it and I talk about it in my body image course, my online course, but I was just taken off guard and I just, my mind went blank and I didn't know how to respond. And all I wished at that time was like, why did you have to comment on my body? Like, why couldn't you said like, that was a really great, I don't know, whatever I was doing, toaster rings, muscle up whatever it was um like that was really good rather than what do you eat um I think the thing you can never eliminate in the most perfect gym training environment that is positive that is culturally aware is what other people bring to the table and everyone's got their own inner dialogue that they may or may not kind of verbalize um, until maybe they're like, holy shit, like Lou, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, you were probably like, there's a bit going on there, that person. And it's like, that's not on you. That's yeah. got nothing. And she spoke to you, definitely. But that's to me kind of speaks volumes about her. And you cannot walk that, you cannot be like, all you want to do is lose weight. You can't be in our gym. Like we can't remove that, right? You can't, it's really hard to, get members to move on if they're like, that's a big discussion and it's a big decision as someone who has owned a gym to be like, okay, we've got to put some boundaries in place here, but that's not something that's going to do it. That's not, yeah. like, no one's going to own a business and be like, oh, she asked you what you ate for breakfast. Like we're not going to move you along for that. Um, but I think that kind of speaks more to what she's carrying, her perspective on body image than yours and it's just that it, it came at you in an ideal world nobody would comment on the way that anybody else looks and we'd all congratulate each other on what we've been able to achieve and what we can do and we'd all be in a much happier place we we would I don't know that that day is going to come anytime soon and I guess it's then around like boundaries and um you know, as someone who is like the head of a culture of a business, people will come and tell you stuff all the time. Like, oh, did you know that Lou cheats are reps? And did you know this? And did you know that? You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into being the head of that business. Um, and I don't think it would be out of place for you to say to the bosses or the owners, um, ah, this was an interesting comment and blah, blah, blah. Or just to say to that client, oh, that doesn't actually even bother me. But look how great my toaster bar are. 
you know, sometimes it's the off the cuff comments that kind of set that boundary. Up. There is no, this is what it has to be. It's actually the person who's running the business that has the biggest uh, influence over that, I think. As a fellow MumSafe trainer, I often find, Charles, that a lot of mums will come to me and say either on their form or say, tell me face-to-face that they want to start exercising again to lose weight or they want to change the shape of their tummy or change the shape of their arms or their bum, you know, anything. Um, how do you approach this? As a MumSafe trainer yourself, what is your response when people say to you they want to start training with you to change the shape, weight or size of the body? Yeah, um, probably my opinion has changed a lot over the mm-hmm. years um, and even has changed a lot probably in the last couple of months as well. So I'll kind of take you on the journey. I come from a nursing background and it was drummed into us in uni you stay in your own lane. You're not the doctor. You're not the physio. You're not the dietitian. This is your role. This is what you do with autonomy. The rest is referred onto someone else or you ask for help or you do this. Um, And I firmly believe that. I believe it now. I like to have a million people that I can refer to for anything that is outside of my lane. And at the moment, I see my lane as being postpartum movement. But when I had the gym, I could have written up some generic nutrition plan but it just goes against kind of mm-hmm. my my values and my um my position on that and that's just come from a nursing background so we would run nutritional support challenges I didn't even call them challenges I hate that word um but we would get someone in and they would support weight loss or um leveling up your nutrition in that capacity because that was the expert in their field it's really hard to run a fitness-based business sometimes without that as an offering because the gym down the road, and it's not the reason why I did it, but the gym down the road can do that and they can do a really shit job at that, but it's still that perceived package. So um, I would rather pull in an expert and somebody that I trust to guide my ladies through if that's what they wanted. Um, in the last little while, I have been exposed to a lot of mums talking about postpartum weight loss a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of makes me go, oh, and my, I feel like my responsibility now is not just to say, don't worry about it. You can pick that up in however much time, let your body heal because they are fixated on it. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be some kind of actual support around what does that look like? And for me, it's, you know, referring outward. Um, I've got a couple of nutritionists that I refer my ladies to for support. And then it's having that discussion around fads are the wrong thing to do. It cannot be extreme. It has to be slow and it has to be something that is very um, sustainable. And often there's a whole education piece around that because people get really stuck on, you know, 12, uh, 1200, not 12,000 calories. That'd be a good time. 1200 calories, you know, from good old Michelle Bridges 12 week challenge or whatever that thing was. Um, it's understanding 
that you need to eat more food when you're breastfeeding, you need to eat more food to nourish yourself. If we're then layering on exercise on top of that, your caloric requirement is actually a lot more than I suspect you even realize. Um, And that to me is a discussion that I would have in the gym with a referral onward to a professional. So I would previously probably want to bury my head in the sand and just be like, doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Um, but my experiences over the last couple of months uh, have changed my opinion on that a lot. Yeah. I don't think silence is the right. I feel uncomfortable being silent on it. I feel like there has to be some level of educated information around what that looks like because the alternative to me is like they're getting on Google or they're following some Instagram person. So I find it um, like quite uncomfortable even to talk about, but you, there is no doubt in my mind that postpartum weight loss is a really significant issue for some women. Mm -hmm. And like any issue that's significant for women, I don't think we should just bury our heads in the sand and be like, oh, too hard basket. Um, It might be a difficult discussion and it might not be something that I feel entirely comfortable with, which is why I have people that I can refer to. But I think there has to be something that we can help with. Yep, yep, 100% agree. And the beautiful thing about what you do, Chelsea, is that you can look after the mums in this way, validate their feelings, validate what they want and listen to them, but you can balance it out with that attitude and that approach of performance over aesthetics. So you've got that beautiful balance because of the coach that you are. Yep. And the really cool thing about um, training mums in this space is with all performance training, in all non-mums, in all men, you can tell they haven't had their coffee, their food, their, you know, whatever their food routine is. If you're in a performance environment, you can tell when people have not looked after their nutrition properly or you can tell um, when things are a little bit out of kilter because their performance is off, not relative to anyone else but them. Yeah. So you can be like, oh, let's just stay at that weight today. Do you have brekkie this morning? No, I rushed to work. And there you go. There's that really simple thing around uh, nutrition and your food intake is fueling performance or it's had a detrimental impact on performance. It has nothing to do with the way that guy looks because that guy kind of looks the same, especially for me because I don't see change. I don't see 20 kilo shifts. I'm like, eh, that's just Bob, you know, Um but you can, I can see performance very clearly. And I love that about being in like a CrossFit or a group training space is you get to know your clients and you get to know their capabilities. So you have this base level of this is what you can achieve. Lou can do 27 toes to bar unbroken. Amazing. She comes in and she's stringing three together. And I'm going to start asking some questions. Like, did you sleep all right last night, mate? Have you got a few things on your brain? Do you have brekkie this morning? No, I didn't have brekkie. Great this might look a bit different today. So I think it's um, a really nice delineation between performance and fueling for performance that actually costs aesthetics. Chels, the mums that you work with, do you find that they don't see the progress that they're making, but you do? So you're seeing like this improvement in in performance or you know, progress in what they're lifting or how fast they are or their strength. And they don't see it at all? Always. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Because they're in the fog, right? 
And I mean, Mm -hmm. I remember being that person myself and I have days still when I'm coaching and I'm not going through the motions. I'm trying so hard to be present. But if you ask me (laughs) a lot of stuff and I've been up for hours overnight, it's just like, your brain goes to mush. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's always a million tabs open for new mums. We're thinking about baby feed times. We're thinking about, oh, my God, I think they've just done a poo and I've got to go and change it and we're in the middle of the class. And, you know, we're so driven by the baby and then we're so driven by potentially that aesthetic weight loss piece that the performance piece gets lost. Um, so a couple of ways that a couple of things there. So at the start of every session, I always ask my ladies, thumbs up, thumbs down. Tell me about your life, your world, your sleep. If I take your phone off you, how many Google tabs have we got open? Tell me about daycare germs. Tell me about this. And straight off the bat, it gives me an assessment of where's our brain? Are we foggy? And you can, we can, did you have brekkie this morning? Like it's not a weird question to ask then. And you get an understanding straight off the bat of, okay, this person's going to be perhaps a little bit subpar today versus we're firing on all cylinders. Right. Look at you go. You couldn't do that two weeks ago. Recently, I've just changed the way that my programs are structured to be very objective in that we're meeting a criteria. So our foundations program are literally working through the checklist that physios will use to say, yep, you're good to go back to running. So the whole strength program is built around that. And so I love, like, I just love objective measures. (laughs) Like, you couldn't do this four weeks ago. Look how great you are. Like, it's it just drills performance over anything else. And with that, there is such a roll on in confidence it doesn't matter if I can't do this little bit because I can do this little bit. And I'm really open to just supporting that because it's not like I'm failing completely in the gym. It's just like bits, but there's also the trust of I'm moving forward. I feel like it might be slow, but I'm moving forward. And that's been a really cool way um, to be able to highlight almost in real time for ladies, you're doing a really good job. I love that. It's like, it's concrete. It's there. It's like, look at the numbers. You couldn't do this two, three weeks ago. Look at these numbers now. I'm really tinkering with um, a similar tool for my gym prep class because I would often see ladies who just wanted to race back to their CrossFit gym. I've had my baby. Great. I've had my six-week check, which has actually checked nothing. And then I'm good for CrossFit, right? (laughs) I'll just go back to rig muscle ups. Amazing. Let me snatch. Um, I I see that just as much as I see people, women coming through from a CrossFit background through my programs and out the other side. Um, and that's really hard, that race back. So I have a couple of things around that. Personally, I would just hate to be modifying all the time. Like modify that, modify that, modify that. There's such a negative experience in having to change something all the time anyone who's had an injury knows that can be a really friggin frustrating experience it is mentally exhausting and that doesn't layer into that like just that's the emotional side of it that's not even 
performance piece. So I'm like, why would you do that to yourself when you can actually rehabilitate appropriately and then just walk in fine? Um, So I want to objectify what the gym prep program is to say, I think this is appropriate for you to now return to CrossFit F45. There's so many now. There's like Castle, there's Revel, there's, you know, any functional fitness type stuff, the the foundations are there. Um, And I think that just helps to keep women going forward as opposed to like backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards, or subbing out or modifying, like rehabilitate your running and run. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You want to work on pull-ups? Amazing. Do you know how to hold this position? Do you know if you're breastfeeding that you still got relaxing and you're at high risk of injury? Like there's so much more to it, but there are ways that it can be done. So I just think that little piece of objective data helps that. It helps drive true performance. Mm -hmm. And it's that like live feedback of, yeah, great. Last week you couldn't do that. Go you. (laughs) You know what? You just don't get that when you're training for aesthetics, do you? It's if you're, you know, you walk into a gym and you're there because you want to lose X amount of kilos, well, you might lose those kilos one week, but then the next week maybe you haven't. Maybe you've added on those kilos either through muscle or extra water or no, there's so many reasons, but when you're measuring your health through performance and you're training for performance, you know, you do those 10 pull-ups and that's not going to change. Like nobody can take that away from you. It's not going to fluctuate like weight, shape or size of your body does. And so I feel like it's a much better measurement of your health and just a much better way of training. Yeah. I know that you like kind of it's a bit of a pet peeve of yours and you're like big on advertising, you know, the BMI and, um, and numbers on a scale. So 60 on the scales one week may not be 60 on the scales the next week. And so what we perceive to be the objective piece is actually not can really skew not only motivation, but I think it then kind of bundles into headspace, um, Mm. around, how how you're working, your effort, your results, is it worth it? Am I doing the right thing? Am I going to look for something extreme to try and make this shift? Where I just kind of think, what can you do that's sustainable? And not just sustainable for like a year. Like I've been doing CrossFit for, I don't know, like 12 or so years. I've never had a CrossFit injury ever. I trained during both my pregnancies. I just understand how I can do this in a sustainable way. How can I keep doing it? I want to be doing it when I'm 50, when I'm 60. But will I ever do a wall-facing handstand push-up? No. Do I care? No. I do not care. There are some things I care about, but everyone cares about something different. And if it's fueled by performance more so than the way that you look, I think that sets you up to be a more sustainable long-term fitness piece, which I feel like I'm going down another rabbit hole either, but you just don't know what life's going to throw at you, right? A very close friend who has recently been diagnosed with breast cancer. It, it came out of nowhere. Um, I've had surgeries like around my pregnancies and stuff like that in my mid-30s. I didn't know that was going to happen. So when people say they're training for life and blah, 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 people don't take that seriously, but it is serious because you don't know what's going to happen. And it's putting yourself in a position to fight the fight for as long as you can and be as strong as possible for as long Mm. as you can. 
something that's probably it would be remiss to not discuss in the context of performance and aesthetics in the CrossFit world particularly. Women can often be very nervous about being strong because there's that perception about like a masculine physique and I'll get so bulky and I'll get so muscly and, you know, there's a real negative to what that is. Um, If people understand what it takes to get that kind of bulk, it's a lot. There's a huge element of genetics Um, For women, we don't have testosterone. It's a really key component in muscle making. Um, There's just so, so much pushback. I think think it's getting better. Women are a lot more open or are more exposed to strength training and having women in gyms these days. I do think CrossFit has certainly helped to change that. Um, But... I could be standing in a CrossFit gym right now and without a doubt, if I surveyed women around, are you scared of being bulky as a result of this? People will say yes. And that is sometimes an aesthetic piece that is a barrier to doing that fitness that is ongoing for life. And I would would just say to women to understand what it takes to get that physique in the context of that sort of training like it is bloody huge the volume the the volume of training the volume of food it's so much um it doesn't happen for everyone mm-hmm. and we want a tone and you know what tone is less fat and more muscle so let's say it as it is and let's be real about that and recognize that we want to be strong when we're 80. Well, why can't we be strong when we're 30 something or 40 something or 20 something? Like it's no different. So I think that's a really important thing to kind of highlight in that that context of CrossFit. Well, hopefully now, Charles, all the listeners are going, I need to work with Chelsea. Um, how can they find you? Yeah, so um, I'm bad at this sales pitch. I can get on a soapbox <laughs> about so many things. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Marquise Mums and we are on the Central Coast and um, supporting women back into the gym, so more of a gym-based environment. So our foundations program will get you geared up for running an impact and from there you can transition into our gym prep class, um, which introduces you to managing your postnatal body in a CrossFit F45 general gym environment. Um, We run eight-week programs. So if you are interested, just send me a DM on Instagram and we can um, kind of connect the dots on that. Uh, I also have an online project called The Peach Project, which is at the most ridiculous Instagram handle of at peach dot project dot pod um <laughs> and um and that is essentially flexible fitness for busy mums so uh often I would get ladies going through the Marquis mums program and their maternity leave would finish and they would go back to work and the concept of multiple hours to be at the gym was just like a fairy tale um so we're doing some functional training at home everything supported with YouTube videos and the objective is that we can just support mums to keep training Chelsea, thank you so much for emptying your brain and your wisdom into my podcast. I have loved chatting to you today and I hope that people listening will be able to get in touch and ask more about either CrossFit or training for performance, getting stronger or joining Marquise Mums or The Peach Project. Amazing, thanks. 
If you've enjoyed what you've heard, make sure you hit follow wherever you listen to your podcasts, rate and review so that more mums can start to challenge societal norms when it comes to what their body should look like. For further information on what I've covered in this episode or to connect with me in person, head to the link in the show notes. You'll also find the link to enroll in my online course, The Body Resilient Mum Project. Until next time, bye for now.